Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, add a cuppa, and join me in the Sociology Staff Room. Hello and welcome to the Sociology Staff Room. I'm very excited because although we've got Sarah Batland, I'm gonna give the official introduction for Sarah. She actually, at the top of that list, I wanna put good friends and I suppose mentor really, rather than coach. Uh, I've talked with Sarah for a long, well, I say talk with Sarah, I talked with Sarah when I first started teaching, didn't I, Sarah, a long, long time ago. Mm. Um, but obviously we haven't talked for many years, but I, so we still keep in contact over teaching learning. So I'm going to do the official bit first. This is Sarah Butler, who is the Head of Social Media and Psychology at a selected school within the South East. Um, obviously experienced sociology teacher um, and most importantly, a tech geek, but a good, good friend. So thank you for your time this evening. <laughs> It's lovely to be here. I was going to describe our relationship as fellow sociology geeks. Yes, definitely, definitely. I mean, I think when we first started, I think we were just, or oh, maybe I was the geek and you were the, the or are the cool one. And, um, and then over time, like, <laughs> I don't know. You, you've got more sociology. We've done similar sort of courses and studies, and I know that you're, yeah. you're also studying towards a PhD at the moment. So, um, but we're here to talk about uh, tech in in sociology and how we can use edtech and i know that i've personally asked you questions about that particularly during lockdown i was like help me i've never talked like this before <laughs> um and actually for for lots of us isn't maybe for well i'm assuming maybe it's just me isn't part of our toolkit as such so really sort of going to go straight into it. what do what do we mean by edtech what does that even mean for someone that may have not, i mean have used it. So I think firstly, you're absolutely right. For so many people, the lockdown and teaching online for that extended period of time really was the kind of push that so many people needed to dip their toe in the ed tech waters. And some people I think remember it as a distant memory and some people then brought that back into the classroom with them. And I think ed tech, educational technology, it's become a bit of a, you know, hashtag ed tech. Um, I think it's simply the resources we use digitally to enhance teaching and learning. And That's I think really good that, definition, that can yeah. have a very, it can have like a negative um, kind of persona sometimes because people think of it as very gimmicky. And I think the thing we have to remember about it is this is part of our pedagogical toolkit. It's not something we bolt on. It's not something we use because we think we have to. Um, and it's not something we use to make the lessons fun. Um, I think it's something that we do to enhance. So it's all based on what's your learning objective? How are you going to use the ed tech to enhance that? And a lot of it is about the insight that it gives us into what the students are doing. Mm. And I think and that's a bit, a bit important that like you just said, like what enhances the students? What does it, uh, not as a bolt on, um, it's something that enhances their learning and encourages a sort of stretch and challenge I suppose and like mm. you mentioned there you know a lot of us were dealt pushed into it I don't think I I embraced it with <laughs> open arms I was a really bit scared but I spent a lot of time teaching myself with the help of you different sort of tools um but I want to be honest full disclosure I, I haven't really used it again since I've, I've gone back to sort of my my traditional talking and I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm scared to tell you that because I thought really really but do you know what I, I know why I think it's I, I think that it triggers something for me I think it's not the ed tech I think it's when I used it so really from a psychology perspective I when I think of ed tech I think of lockdown and I think of COVID yeah. and I think of all yeah. of those things mm -hmm. and I've sort of I, maybe if I got to know and play around with it more 
outside the realms of, of COVID. It's a bit like, um, I don't know, certain other triggers, but I won't go into it because it's like a, a therapy <laughs> session about COVID. Um, so, I mean, first of all, how or how should it not be used? Because you said, like, obviously it could be a bit of a bolt-on. Is that just as far as that? It shouldn't be used as a bolt-on? Or is how else could it be used most not, I suppose, not the best way possible? I think it's got to be something that contributes to achieving your learning intention. If it doesn't contribute to that, you've got to ask yourself what the reason is that you're doing it. That doesn't mean something can't be fun and engaging and contribute to the learning intention. But there's got to be that kind of reflective question, hasn't there? You know, why am I going to use this? Am I doing a quiz at the beginning of the lesson? Because the students love Kahoot and the music gets them really excited. I, at full disclosure, I hate Kahoot. I just need to say that quite early on. I hate Kahoot. I hate mini whiteboards. They're two things. Drive me nuts. Um, but I think there are lots of alternatives to them that do the same thing. So I think if you're doing a quiz at the beginning of the lesson and you realise that using an online tool is going to give you a better insight into your student's formative position or your formative insight that you can gain, then, you know, doing it through their phones and getting a percentage on the screen of who got which answer right or wrong um, is often way quicker than using mini whiteboards or asking them to put their hands up. If it gives you a bigger sample in terms of the learning that's taken place and where the learning gaps are, then it's really useful. But if you're doing it superficially and of course we're plugging in the the information to these quizzes or you know what, what there's so many different things we can use whether you're writing collaborative paragraphs students are working together collaboratively in the same room or from home or online um, or in a computer room or on the phones of the classroom or if you've got chromebooks in the classroom you know so many schools are set up in so many different ways in terms of devices um but if you're if you've plugged in an overly easy multiple choice as your lesson starter it's not going to be the most effective memory retrieval but if you've plugged in a multiple choice that acts as a hinge question or a set of hinge questions and you know your students are going to take away a list of learning gaps and some really clear actionable feedback from that activity then the online part is simply the way we deliver the pedagogy not the pedagogy itself does that make sense have i gone too geeky no no i think like, <laughs> let me let me paraphrase it's a basically it's it's a tool uh basically yeah. and it's not something that um replaces pedagogy it's something that enhances it is that as i'm understanding that it's something yeah. that is 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 something that is um embedded within a lesson um but it's not all and everything so like you said you might have some other mm. questions that are on a, a tool or such, but then you might add on some hinge questions. Um, mm. And it might might be more of an effective way. I'm not suggesting that people who use whiteboards, it's just your personal choice, you don't like whiteboards. Like <laughs> Sorry, of, yeah. sort of, <laughs> Like a little brackets there for people that do <laughs> like to use them. Um, is that actually, is that maybe more of an effective tool? Because like you said, there's a great example of, of students could participate. Um, and then it's more instant as, as well, so you could see mm. what's going on in regards to feedback. So then can tell me, what tools are you using then, Sarah? Like I, I mean, I'm looking at, well, like you said, okay. Kahoot is, and again, for those people who like Kahoot, that, that's, that's them. And obviously, um, you know, people, again, are different. Um, and there's some other, other, brands out there but what what do you yeah. use i know that i what i use during lockdown i actually thought it was quite useful but what, what are you using at the moment so at the moment i use 
so this afternoon I had 60 students in the main hall and we use Slido. And Slido is exactly the oh, yeah. same as Kahoot. It just doesn't have the music and it doesn't have the fun. Um, so I'm not making myself outside a really boring teacher here, but it, it simply gives you, it gives you the percentage of the students that chose each answer and then you reveal um, which was the correct answer. And I think because it takes away the kind of energizing aspect of Kahoot, but you've got all of the, the power of the tool that it is, I absolutely love using it. So for me, that tells me, it surprises me all the time. You know, I'll think, oh, this is an easy question. Everyone's gonna get this right. And then I look and the class are split between two different studies. And I genuinely, then that informs my planning. It informs what we do next in the lesson. It informs whether we can move on um, because of so much that it tells me. And I think if you're sampling one or two students in the class, you're not gonna get that insight. Students so often don't want to speak out about the fact they might not understand something, but when they're pushed into having to choose an option on their phone, um, and we can talk about the boundaries around having phones in the classroom, and I'm talking about from a sixth form perspective, which obviously, you know, there are many schools where you can't ask your year nines to get their phones out. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that's the, the, the formative insight for me is everything basically that's the you know if if it tells me something that i wasn't otherwise going to find out and i've got year 13 classes with 30 students in now mini whiteboards even if i if i did like them and i like the electronic version of them i like what they do but i can't look at 30 mini whiteboards in the time that i can look at the breakdown on the screen so for me it's incredibly efficient to have something like slider but then if we're talking about things like quizzes i really like word wall as well word wall is you mm. can create not just the online quiz but you can create the printable version of it so you've got your online quiz but the students might do it on paper or they might do it on their phone and they can go back and practice it time and time again and the thing i like about word wall is you can put a qr code on the screen at the beginning of the lesson and that's your kind of do now. So the students come in, that's it. They grab the phone, they scan the QR code. There's something kind of feels really efficient about that. But they've also got that QR code on the slides for future revision, you know, when they want to revise those topics. But I don't think it's all about memory retrieval and quizzes. Um, it's about writing collaboratively. There's something amazing about seeing students from four corners of the classroom working on the same paragraph. Um, and you can do that through Google Slides, you can do that through Google Docs, you can do that, you can do that through Microsoft, although it updates slightly slower, um, so the students have to refresh more. Um, but there's something amazing about, you know, writing a paragraph and then someone else in the room highlighting the analysis or highlighting the evaluation or highlighting the key studies or the sociological terminology. And the, the power that it has for peer feedback um, is amazing, I think. So I think that like, we kind of have to remember that sometimes we're talking about exam skills and sometimes we're talking about AO1 mm -hmm. and kind of application. Um, so it's, and, and again, it comes back to what's the learning intention and does the technology enhance it? Or hinder it potentially as well. Yeah, exactly. If, Absolutely. Yeah. Especially like it takes it off, like you said, if it's more entertaining rather than sort of the value added element. So it was an interesting mm. bit. There was a lot for me to take on, like, because um, obviously I, I, I'm sort of sitting here feeling a bit guilty that I haven't done this. Well, you know, even <laughs> like I was thinking, you know, sort of like you said, the sort of Google Docs, and I, I think it's great that everyone can be working on something at, at one time. I know that, say, for example, um, I did actually do a bit of that. <laughs> so I got my students to do a project, <laughs> uh, a piece of research, um, 
and they obviously created Google Forms as well. So they were doing sort of using tech there and they were working in projects and they were all working on a project together, a couple of them, and they could be on Google uh, Docs at the same time and, and sort of work mm-hmm. on on that, which I think is amazing. Like, you know, like you said, seeing them sort of collaborate next to each other, but all contributing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've, we're doing an assembly next week, uh, volunteered, semi-got students opting in for International Women's Day to do the assembly, which would make sense that social students are doing that. But again, we're creating that through a document like that. But I'm interested because I have mm. seen Slido. I have seen it. Can that create a, a QR code from that? Can you do that as well? Um, I think, like, yeah. When it, So Slido's live, so you create the yeah. QR code and everyone joins. Um, whereas things like WordWall are more kind of static activities and each student joins individually. So with mm-hmm. WordWall, you'd get your own result, but with Slido, you're compared against others. And I don't, mm. I don't, for me, I don't think the element of competition needs to be in every single lesson. I think quite often that kind of ipsative assessment of students just basing their achievement on their previous achievement and their individual progress journey. I think the other thing that's worth mentioning is it's not always just about student collaboration. These tools are fantastic for teacher collaboration. So we use Microsoft Forms and you can use Google Forms as well. Um, We set 50 mark, once a term, we do a knowledge test in class and we do a 50 mark test and we collaborate together as teachers and we have a lot of discussion while we're collaborating on that same form actually these questions are too easy let's raise the level of challenge ah i didn't use that study um you use that study we can't really test them on that what study have we used you know have we all used and that kind of or how how can we use this multiple choice that's worth 50 marks to test their evaluation skills as well as their ao1 skills so it really gets teachers working together and we've um you know if you've got if you're working across two sites or you're working within an academy trust uh, it allows that you don't have to be on the same campus you don't have to be in the same classroom and you're able to have that level of collaboration i think for me that's a really nice to create materials that have a real impact on the students to be able to do that together it's lovely Gosh, there's so much scope, isn't there? Like to do these things, I'm like, oh, what can I do? What can I do? Like, I, I think, <laughs> I think if I was to take like baby steps, so like, say if you're like a technophobe or someone that's been sort of traumatized because of COVID and they're sort of last. Obviously, I use Pear Deck, as you know, that's what I use. Which mm. again, I just got the free version of it because I wasn't willing to pay any money for it out of my own mm. pocket. Um, and obviously you know, it was a long time ago, what would you start off with? What's a good intro for, for someone that's sort of, I don't know, more old school? Actually, do you know what I did the other day? That just says how old school I am. I actually bought some flip chart paper to do some collaborative essay writing. Just go about old school, you know? I got mm. a bit of reflection and I was like, do you know what? What things did I used to do that, that work? And are, mm. I wanted something that was low stakes, you know, like where there isn't, yeah. you know, when you just got loads of like, just mind mapping an essay structure. So I actually, I've gone, I'm talking about tech and I realise I've just bought some flip chart paper and gone a bit old school there. Uh, but if I was someone that was as technophobe as me, what would be a good starting point? What, what and resource I think, do you think? And I will answer that question, but I think honestly, we have to realise that we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. We might use tech in our lessons, but flip chart paper and post-it notes and coloured card and laminated and matching activities. I don't think we will, you know, one day we might be paperless, but I, you know, I hope that time doesn't come while I'm still teaching because I think having tangible things in the classroom is so important. And we don't want our young people looking at screens all the time. So having those activities and then kind of punctuating them with a bit of tech as well, I think is is really the way forward. And I think if, if you were someone who really 
was was I think first of all you've got to think why do I want to do this and if you don't have a good sort of pedagogically sound reason for doing it then just don't do it because you know there's no there's no pressure we can teach outstanding lessons we can take students on amazing journeys without this but if you really wanted to kind of dip your toe and not feel overwhelmed I think you mentioned Pear Deck I think Pear Deck is amazing for um unlocking prior knowledge because with Pear Deck you can attach it to your um PowerPoint or your um, Google slides and you can say to the students right here's a question, everybody just type their answers on the screen. And it's low stakes because it doesn't have the student's name come up, so it's all anonymous. Obviously, you've got to have really good behaviour expectations and boundaries in place, especially depending on the age of the students. Um, so, so something like that, I think you just kind of say, right, do you know what, in this one lesson, I'm going to use one Pear Deck slide to gather that information and then the phones go away or the laptops or the Chromebooks, whatever you use, and go away for the rest of the lesson and we carry on. And I think the biggest tip, and I've done this so many times and colleagues have done it as well, is if you're going to use that with students, do it with your department first. Do it in a department meeting. Say, can I have 10 minutes of a department meeting to try this out? Get them on their phones. You know, have a go so that you feel like you're not going in cold. And, and I think on that note as well, tell the students, I've never tried this before going to give it a go and I'll be really interested to see what you think after we've done it and have that frank like it's quite metacognitive for the students isn't it but it's also that learner voice you know have that frank conversation did this add to your learning or not should we do it again how might it be better how often would you like to do this mm. and I think that's you know they come on that journey with you and I think that's a really nice there will be things that you try that you never use again yeah. you know, no, some people so true <laughs> So I feel like I'm listening and I'm like, oh my God, I think because as you know, I obviously know you well as well, but I'm sort of reflecting. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm sort of taking it in and reflecting and thinking it's just so true. Like if you haven't got the reason to do it and you, you have, don't know your why, then maybe it's not for you. But if you want to do one of the using your words, then find it's about choosing that right group isn't it that you don't mm. do it with your your sort of group you haven't created those bonds with necessarily mm. um and it's a bit of a risk you go with a trusted group start it maybe with your your department first which sort of makes sense um and actually you probably use more tech because you're talking i think oh i don't use much tech but then i was thinking actually i'm quite chilled about what next topic we do for year 13 options topic so i've just sent the students out um like called survey monkey. What's, what's that? What's that called? This internet. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, this survey monkey. I sent them out a survey monkey and got them to reply from that. And actually, once a half term, I do a student voice via that to find out what uh, what units they feel most comfortable with, which ones they feel like like sort of a rag rate activity. I get them to sort of highlight um, best techniques for revision, how many mm. hours they're revising, honestly, all that sort of stuff, so that I can then prep the next unit and then obviously prep revision. So I suppose we do use bits and pieces. Mm. Um, but like, yeah, remind myself about Pear Deck. You talked a bit about um, sort of making sure you've got those boundaries in place, particularly with the sort of mobile phone element. Um, obviously, mm. top tips regarding, I mean, obviously, we don't want to tell us how to suck eggs, um, but obviously, you know, <laughs> getting the students to put the phones away. Um, who ever came up with that saying, by the way, suck, suck eggs? I don't, I don't even know. I don't know where it comes from, honestly. <laughs> who would want to suck an egg? I don't know. No doubt there would be something sociological in the reason behind that, but um, potentially. Some I, don't, I don't um, want to think about it I too think... much, but yes. 
I do think you, you have to be really aware of your context. So I've worked in several different schools and colleges and they've all had different approaches and different policies based on the use of devices. You know, and in some schools, it's not okay to be using your personal device, like your phone. In some schools, students have their phones locked away in their lockers all day, you know. So it's not something that you can go rogue. You know, we don't want to be Venkatesh here, do we? And just kind of <laughs> go ahead with something that doesn't fit the school culture or doesn't fit the school boundaries. But I think if you know and you've kind of checked that it's something that's okay within your school I think then the, the next step so if you know it's a, it's a supported experiment I suppose isn't it for doing it for the first time the next step is then do the students understand those boundaries so we have I'm not saying everyone should do this but I quite like the students to have their if they're using their phone for something I like them to have the phone flat on the table now that's partly not really a massive concern of mine actually my students are lovely but I don't really want their camera to be able to be used. So if the phone's flat on the table, we've got no worries about videoing or photographing people. Not that I genuinely think that's an issue with my students, but I think it's something to think about. Um, but the other reason I want their phone flat on the table when they're doing these activities is I don't want them to be on their phone and not have a pen and paper available because everything they're doing on their phone it's revealing learning gaps they're getting things wrong hopefully they're getting things wrong we love a classroom full of wrong answers don't we and um, so they're getting these things wrong if they're not jotting that down are they going to revisit those things over and over again and if they're not revisiting why are we doing that retrieval i mean this is all about cognitive science isn't it so if we're not doing that retrieval in a way that they go right this hasn't embedded in my long-term memory yet i need to so we have um a learning gaps card on the back of their booklet and they've got three columns so you write down the thing that you got wrong in the quiz on your phone you have to revisit that in your study periods three times and you've got to tick it off and you've got to rag rate it as well you know did i remember it easily or was it hard or could i not remember it that time and i think that's the the boundary for me, I suppose, I don't, is it a boundary? It's not a behaviour boundary, but it's a kind of learning boundary of you are never going to sit there. No one's going to sit, lean back in their chair with both hands on their phone and just do a quiz. Because what do we do with the wrong answers from that? So for me, that that's the kind of boundary I think really is. And then also it's right, we're done with the phones. They're going away now. Yeah, making it and, clear. You know, because because we all get distracted by notifications and things, don't we? So we just need to go, right, that served its purpose, now it's going away. Yeah, definitely. And, I and think if you're in a well, school where we're just thinking about also like just also being mindful of your shit, which makes is is obvious, but obviously if your school hasn't got Wi-Fi, those students might not have the data as well. So that might not be yeah. an option if yeah. it's eaten into the yeah. data, because what you don't want to do is create a divisive situation where students haven't got access to phones yeah. or mm. they haven't got the data as well. So it, it's not just about the pedagogy as well. It's also sort of the wellbeing element to that. And I think that's the other thing is some schools have got device schemes, haven't they? So some schools have got one-to-one -one iPads. Some schools have got class sets of Chromebooks that you can get out in the lesson. And then some schools, you've got students who maybe don't have a mobile phone. You know, we take that for granted quite often, don't we? And yes, students can pair up. I think you really need to be aware of your your context before you expect any use of technology. And obviously, I think the best situation is when the school does have devices because there's that parity. Everyone's got access to the same resources. Yeah, definitely. I, I just so much. I'm just like I'm literally. I feel for the first time, maybe not completely quiet, but just thinking about about that because I'm sort of thinking of, of trying out. I'm being a bit 
do my own action research a couple of things and that might be something else I, <laughs> I take on board because um, you know being a reflective practitioner is, is always helpful isn't it um on our last thing I know you talked about something that we could use if we want to dip our toe in but what mm-hmm. is your favorite sort of tool or as you personal like as a new Sarah Butler what is your favorite uh, EdTech <laughs> tool if you were on a desert island, Ooh, per se, it was going to take yeah. uh, a ticket. That's a really <laughs> tough question because I think it is about that varied diet. I think we do have go-to favourites that um, there's one tool you can use in WordWall where you simply, on their phones, the students drag and drop to match up key terms with definitions. So it's so easy to do those quick recall, matching up the, the theorists with the theories or you know, matching up the studies with the concepts. And I really like those because I think they just start the lesson on this really interactive um, element. But then I think, and I, sorry, I have to completely change your question because this isn't really a favorite, but I think there is so much, there's so much further we could go with this. Voice marking, you know, students getting a voice voice notes to listen to from their essays. I used to do that all that time during lockdown. I did that loads. Yeah. I, you know, obviously you missed that sort of face-to-face element. It was something that you could do in the classroom. I used to drop voice notes like there was no tomorrow. Hi, yeah, but does it, um, does yeah. it reduce teachers' workload? You know, does it reduce teachers' oh, workload? Does it reduce the, the crampy hand of marking? You know, there's so many ways we could go with technology the way, you know, and um, what's the chat, chat GPT? Is that the one? Oh, yeah, we, yeah that's the, you know, the AI. Yeah. You know, these tools that students have available to them. So it's not just actually about what we're doing in the classroom, is it? It's about what students are able to use outside of the classroom as well. And we've got these these tools available that are changing every single year that we teach students. You know, it's a bit like the uh, the census data with sociology. Like every year I teach, there's a different set of data to refer to, which is amazing. It's the same with technology. We've got different options available. Um, so I think the main thing is kind of staying aware, you know, and I think being in involved in online groups for teachers who want to share those tips. I've been to the BET show a few times and got introduced to, um, I mean, the BET show happens in East London. So if you teach near there, you've got a real advantage. You can pop over in your lunch break. Um, But you get introduced to so many things there. We uh, worked somewhere where we had Google trainers who would come in and would cover kind of help us do the Google qualifications and, you know, learn more. So I think as as well as like having those favourites is keeping up to date with with what else is happening and sharing, sharing everything that you find. When you find something, don't keep it to yourself. You know, there's bound to be a group of people in your school who, who would love to hear about it. Oh, definitely. And so yeah you know, like during lockdown we you know we were pinging each other we were using microsoft teams pinging each other all the time kind of have you tried this have you tried this have you used this look how this works and i think you know obviously ed tech's taken slight, a slight back seat now that we're not relying on it all day every day from our home offices but i think there's you know there's still an aspect of you you find your people that want to geek out with you about ed tech and it's just a really nice way to showcase and share and collaborate yeah, definitely. And I think, like you said, you know, it's about staying afresh and staying abreast of what's going on and the changes. And I think, you know, what you just said as well is if, if it's not within an online community, I'm sure there's someone within your school that wouldn't necessarily feel the same in that mm. and, and finding that out. So there's so much, honestly, my brain's like, oh, da, 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 da. I'm, I'm a try, I think out of all of them, because I have tried Pear Deck out. 
I'm going to try it at Slido. I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to commit myself to that. So when I see you next, can I actually, can I suggest one other thing that I think is lovely? Actually, when you said what's my favourite, this is my current mm. favourite, but I haven't used it long enough to know if it's a gimmick. Um, Canva is another program oh, yes. you can use to to do your lesson slides. Um, and when you present a slide deck in Canva, um, the there are keyboard shortcuts. So if you press M, it does a mic drop. And if you press C, it does confetti, like a little celebration on the screen. Mm. And there's a button that does bubbles. And there's a button that, that puts an emoji up that says, shh. <laughs> so you've got all these kind of classroom tools that maybe just add that kind of aspect of engagement. Maybe you use them to kind of bring your questioning to life or to celebrate student responses. And I think at the moment, that's kind of one of my favorite things because it's not many people know about it. So it has, so the students are like, oh, wow, that, how did that happen? That's amazing. And it's just, you know, it's not a learning tool, really. It's more of an engagement tool. But I just think there's something really nice. And I think if you were just wanting to try something, but not having to think about plugging in questions and, you know, designing materials, then something like that is just that little bit of interaction. Mm. Oh, there's so much, isn't there? And I suppose a lot of schools as well, just thinking as you're talking, I feel like a full-on mind mapping session with you, and I'm conscious of time, but I was also thinking as well, like a lot of schools will use Google Classroom. So again, it's mm. a way of connecting with students there. Mm. So I'm sure on different levels, we're doing those things. And mm. like I said, it's, it's enhancing learning, it's about engaging the students. And if it's not doing those things, then maybe it might be not the thing that we should be using at that time. Mm -hmm. I know that we've got mm -hmm. someone talking about um, ChatGTP in a couple of weeks or months' time, actually. Um, so um, I'd love to talk about that more. I know we've got someone talking about that, but I'm sure I'll talk mm -hmm. about that with you outside. And, and I, know there's lots of t I know there's other practitioners that have got thoughts around that and on how we can use it. But thank you for your time, Sarah. And it's always great to speak to you because... I don't know. I feel like it's maybe a bit more of a one-way relationship with me and you that I feel like I gain loads from you. And I'm like, oh, what's, definitely what's Sarah not, definitely me? Not. No <laughs> way. But, thank, thank you for your time and have a lovely evening and uh, look after yourself. And thank you for getting me to think. So thank yeah, you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank take you. care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sociology Staff Room is brought to you by tutor to you Sociology. Find us at tutortoyou.net forward slash sociology or follow us on Twitter at tutortoyousoc or Instagram at tutortoyousoc. You can also join our very lively Facebook groups for sociology teachers. See you soon.